Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Tonight, for a few moments, I know you're tired. It's been a long day. We started prayer meeting at 8 o'clock this morning. And then the regular scheduled services, the business meeting tonight before the service. And um, many of you have been here better part of five hours already, somewhere around that time today. And so I'll try to be brief tonight. I think I can touch on the subject that's on my heart without spending a whole lot of time. I'm going to preach the title of the message tonight is found here in Psalm 96. And uh, let me read a couple of verses Well, let's read a few verses. Let's begin in verse number one. And then we'll give you the title of the message, the few simple points, and we'll be ready for the invitation tonight. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. How distinct that is. Honor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And then verse number seven through verse number nine will generate our thought tonight, give unto the Lord. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. But that's not all. He said, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And look at this. Bring an offering. Bring an offering. And come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Fear before him all the earth. We could read the other four verses of the chapter, but I think it'll give us a springboard for our thought tonight. The title of our message is found in uh, verse number eight, actually verses seven through nine. The title tonight is The Worship of Giving. The Worship of Giving. Yeah, that's what it said. He said, Give unto the Lord, O you kindreds of people, give unto the Lord glory and strength in, in worship, in worship. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. I want to preach tonight on the subject of giving. I know that it's probably a subject that sometimes may rub people the wrong way. When I think about this matter of giving and tithing and all those kind of things, I, I started looking back over the last maybe the beginning of the week, I started looking back through my messages. I don't know if anybody in the building tonight could tell me the last time that I preached on tithing and giving and offerings. Has nothing to do with present finances. You saw tonight as we looked at the finance report for the last year, the reality of it is since COVID, our offerings have gone up about 75% since COVID before COVID, about 70. And so it's not, 
It's not anything that a lot of times when the preacher is preaching on giving, people, people want to translate that into there's some kind of a need. Not really. Not really. The only need that I see in giving and tithing is that we might worship Him. The worship of giving. You've often heard me say, I, well, by the way, I mentioned that you probably can't remember. Some of you are looking in your Bibles. You're looking in Malachi and Luke and all. I've never been here before, so you won't find it here. I probably, I looked honestly through hundreds and hundreds of messages over the last few years. Couldn't find where the last time it was I preached on tithing. Might have preached on missions and, and giving, and but on tithing. I think that I could say I looked through a thousand pages, one thousand pages of messages over the last few years. Nothing on giving. And so it's not anything that, you know, that I'm, I'm a, kind of a, you know, just bogged down with or anything along that line. I just want people to know the blessings of the Lord, the blessings of giving. You'll often hear me say, and uh, usually about the time I, when we gather the, the ushers down front and uh, we pray for the offering, about the time I get through praying, the musicians start. So a lot of times you don't hear me say this little phrase, let us worship the Lord in giving. That's where this comes from. Let us worship the Lord in our giving. We believe in worship as Baptists. We believe in worship in God. And uh, we believe in all the things that he said in this passage of Scripture. I don't know a church that sings like we sing. Of course, I don't go to a whole lot of churches, so I'm sure there's plenty who have um, uh, music and, and um, comparable to, to the music and the singing that we have. I'm sure they do. I wouldn't put any, anybody down. I'm sure they do. But all through here, even in the previous chapter, he's talking about worship. He's talking about worship with our singing and worship with our praise and worship with uh, uh, giving him glory. And then he talks about worship him with an offering. Worship him with an offering. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this tonight. I, in my notes, I just wrote a few things down on this thought of the worship of giving, the worship of giving. The, I, I think that giving of necessity, and we'll probably get to that at the end of the message, is the worst time to talk about giving. When it's of necessity, when you can't pay the bills. When you, and, and by the way, I've, 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 I've heard of those situations. I remember there was a church not too far from us a few years ago, not too many years ago, that uh, I got word that they were not able to pay their insurance. I met with our church that particular Sunday evening that I'd heard about it that day. They couldn't pay their insurance, and without their insurance, they couldn't continue on. And our church voted to pay their insurance policy that night. It was like $550 or something along that line. Paid another Baptist church's insurance. They were in a position of necessity. It is so much better to be able to give out of the abundance of our hearts to the work of the Lord. I can preach this with a smile on my face. I think that it's a relevant message. That it has nothing to do with how much money is in the bank. has nothing to do with how much, uh, bill, how much the bills are. Has, it doesn't have anything to do with all of those secondary things. Let me mention these five things. I believe the doctrine of giving 
is often, number one, misunderstood. Misunderstood. And there's a lot of people that have it in the back of their mind because of all of these shysters and, and uh, all of these, these uh, uh, money-hungry ministries all across the land. And it's not unusual to hear about ministries that have worth in the hundreds of millions of dollars this day and hour. I remember years ago there was one popular evangelist uh, on, the, uh, on television and on the radio, and this was probably back in the 80s. And so money, money back in the 80s is not like it is now. And, and so, but he said on the radio, he said, I have $100,000 a month that comes in in $5 bills. I'm not talking about $5 checks, but $5 bills. And uh, I think that over the course of the years, because of television and radio and all these ministries and uh, all of these that are always, uh, every time, I watch them sometimes, we get up early on Sunday morning and uh, they'll be on the television and I'll watch some of them. And their entire broadcast, everything about their broadcast has to do with you got to give. I heard one say one time on the radio, I heard one, I used to like listen to him. And it was just, it was a little entertaining. And, um, and he was a black preacher. And, um, and he said, somebody came to him and, and mentioned that. And he said, I'm not black. He said, I'm green. He said, I'm the color of money. I'm the color of money. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, in reality, that's a lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, reality in that. A lot of folk that are looking for money. And, uh, and it's widespread. One of the well-known evangelists today, in my opinion, he's not one of the better preachers in America, worth 700, they know that he's worth $740 million. I was out in Texas last year and another television evangelist that's very popular and uh, you'd know him well if I were to call his name, but I was out there at a, in an ordination in Texas and um, and Hunter, he rode me around, and we went into this area in Houston, Texas, where uh, the football players and the oil, the oil people where they live, and people from uh, Exxon and, and all of those, this, this community that they live in, and the door, the gate happened to be open, and so we rode through there, and I'm just looking, I'm looking at these houses, and there were houses the size and bigger than this auditorium, and it's almost 10,000 square feet. And some of them were double the size of this auditorium. And one in particular, they had this big old house. And out in front, it had a huge uh, carport, a drive under carport. Had poles this big around, big uh, fluted uh, columns. And, and you could probably two men couldn't reach around them. And they were probably 40 feet tall. And out front, he had a Ferrari and a Jaguar and perhaps a Lamborghini. And it, there were men that were out there in white coats with gloves on, and they were polishing and waxing those cars. That's the kind of people that lived in that community. We went around the corner, and I saw this rather large piece of property, a beautiful house. I mean, look, it was a mansion times 10, and, and out in, in the part of the yard was like a park. It was like Mackey Park up here, you know, and it had walking trails and, and all of those kind of things. Just, just unbelievable. And Hunter said, that's pastor, da, 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 da. And I won't even call any names. Those kind of things, people misunderstand. 
It, it causes people to be confused about this matter of worshiping God in our giving. Number one, it's misunderstood. Number two, it's misinterpreted. A lot of times they, they think, well, the pastor's looking for money. Don't need any money. And uh, that has nothing to do with it. Uh, sometimes it's misused. I just gave you a couple of examples of that. Not only is the doctrine of giving often misunderstood, it's often misinterpreted, it's misused, it's misrepresented, and a lot of times it's just very simply mistaken. People make mistakes about this matter of giving. And so with that said, I think that we can go to God's Word and see what the Bible really has to say uh, about this matter of giving. Look with me, if you would, first, please, in the book of Proverbs. I'm just going to give you a couple of two or three very familiar passages. We'll be in Proverbs chapter number 3. And I want to look at three things the Bible says consistently in the matter of giving. We learned in school that that everything has a cause and effect. Everything uh, in the world happens by cause and it has an effect. Some of you have bumped into someone else's automobile and, and, uh, and you understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes, you know, we've done things uh, in our lives and, and uh, I won't even take time to go through any of those. And now those things come back to haunt us later in life. Everything has a cause and everything has an effect. And it is so in the matter of giving. There is a cause and that cause has an effect. I'm not trying to be academic with you tonight. It's a spiritual matter. This matter of giving is. It's as, it's as, as much a part of the Christian life as going to church, reading the Bible, having prayer, doing the Lord's Supper, being baptized, all of those kind of things. This matter of giving falls in the same category with every child of God. I can tell I'm going to get bogged down if I don't move fast. And, uh, and so I want to look at three things in three places in the scripture, there's always a purpose. When God challenges us or encourages us, and, uh, and there's two or three things that we need to be mindful of, of course, the tithe. And we'll look at that in just a moment in the book of Malachi. And, and we shouldn't shy away from those verses as, as God's men and, and Bible teachers. You ought to teach this in Sunday school. It's something that kids need to uh, learn about. Cooper was at men's prayer breakfast this morning. And, um, and uh, they had had a garage sale and they had a lemonade stand yesterday. And I think he said he was sitting there between Brother Daniel and I and, and uh, eating big old thing full of grits and eggs and sausage and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and he started, he said, he, it came out of his mouth. He said, made $111 at the lemonade sale yesterday. I said, did you bring your tithe? <laughs> Did you bring your time? Huh? What? Teach your children about it. When our daughters, they, when they started working, they were about 15, 16 years old, I guess. We let them work a little bit, never let it interfere with church, school, or anything. Never could, never could interfere with basketball and school and all those kind of things. They worked for a wonderful lady that was a Christian, and she always obliged uh, revivals and all those kind of things. Worked, made a uh, hot dogs in the mall or corn dogs in the mall and uh, she always did that but as soon as they got their paycheck they were instructed about tithing. The tithe 
is the Lord's. The Bible said in one place, all of the tithe of the land is the Lord's. I'm not, I don't think it's wrong for an unsaved person to tithe. I mean, they breathe the air, they drink the water, they enjoy the sunshine and the blessings of God and it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. I wouldn't want them to ever think that, you know, if you tithe, it's going to get you anywhere with God. But it's just a matter of the tithe. is very simply a matter of just being an honest person. Because the tithe is the Lord's. The 10% of our income is not ours. No shape, no form, no fashion. I'm glad I learned it early on in the Christian life. I'm glad I had a pastor that wasn't afraid to preach what God's Word said. And somebody says, you know, they, they say, well, you know, that's Old Testament. And uh, they say, that's in the law. That's law. By, by the way, tithing was before the law. Abraham uh, tithed unto Melchizedek before the laws were even given. Amen. And so it goes all the way back, and, and it's always been God's economy. And uh, we're not having the invitation yet, so wait just a minute and pray, all right? <clears throat> Proverbs chapter number 3, verse number 9, 10, and 11. Let me just, I'll just give you these, and uh, we'll be done. I was about to say I was so glad. I remember when the Lord told us about tithing. And I wasn't raised in church. I was 22 years old when I got saved. I'd been in church less than a half a dozen times in my life. And that was generally four or five of those times were Sunday school. In the little Nazarene church, it used to be out on Highway 84. So I didn't know anything. One person said, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know about palms and, and didn't know about jobs and all those kind of things. Didn't know anything. Didn't know the, about the book of palms and the book of job. And uh, that's about where I was when I got saved. But thank God the man of God was willing and, uh, to preach about giving, about giving. And I remember the first, that Sunday night that God began to deal with my heart. We'd been chipping in a dollar here and a dollar there. I was making $100 a week or whatever, what it might have, I forget, like $107 a week or something. That's when we got married. I was making a little bit more when I got saved. But anyway... I remember over in that old building, I was sitting about two-thirds of the way back on the right-hand side from the pulpit, and uh, they prayed over the offering, and they got offering plates, and the men started walking down the aisle, and they handed it to the first one. It went down, and then it came across, and the building was about full back in those days and in that old building. And we were sitting maybe seven or eight pews back on this side, and I, I, I was standing there, and my wife was looking and watching, and I opened up my wallet, and I had a $10 bill, had a $10 bill, I had a $10 bill, and I had a $1 bill. And they were in my wallet. And that's all that I had in my wallet. That's all that we had in the world, a $10 bill and a $1 bill. That was it. We'd already bought groceries. It was Sunday night. And uh, the $10 bill was to buy gas and all those kind of things to get through the week. And so those ushers were coming. And it looked like they were running. And it looked like they were passing a Frisbee up and down the rows, you know. And, and it was coming so fast, you know. And I grabbed the one and, and I grabbed the 10. And then I grabbed the one and I grabbed the 10. I grabbed the one and grabbed the 10. And my wife's standing there like, ooh. You know, she's just kind of she's just grinning knowing that. Uh, and so when they got there just by, 
an act of faith, I took the 10 and put it in the offering plate, leaving us with $1. Two children, $1. Got to get to work every day and other things that come up through the course of the week. And uh, we, I sat there the rest of the service thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I gonna? My faith wasn't like yours, you know. <laughs> My faith was very, very weak. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, and I'm listening. I'm sure he preached a great message that night, but I have no idea what the message was about. All I was thinking about is I have thrown away our livelihood. We're going to starve to death. We're not going to make it through the week. How in the world, I'm going to have to go to the bank and borrow money. I'm going to have to go to mama and ask for money or her mama and ask for money. Somehow or another, we've got to get us through the week. The next morning, I was working as a line mechanic at the uh, Buick garage, Judd Godwin Buick, right there beside uh, where a uh, part of Western Auto, the store part of Western Auto, the office part of Western Auto. And uh, I was working in the back in the garage, and... Um, uh, a family came in that Monday morning. A man came in, and um, his car was skipping and popping. It sounded like one I'd already tuned up. It was skipping and popping, running crazy. But he was from out of town. He was, he was from north. And he'd stopped here and there and here and there and everywhere. And uh, he, he came, and he made it in there. And somehow or another, the Lord just led me to what the problem was. I mean, he had, they'd spent like a day and they spent a night on the side of the road and all these kind of, just a horrible experience they'd gone through back before 911 and all those kind of things. And, um, and so uh, I, I went to it and I raised the hood and pulled over to my stall and I took just a moment, you know, I started fiddling around a little bit and I got over near where the wiring harness goes through the firewall on the car. And I was just kind of wiggling wires and when I, when I reached down there, Brother Greg, where that harness coupled together, I noticed the screw was loose and the harness had backed away from the uh, inside part to the uh, outside part. I took a little 3-8 socket and, and, a, and a, a nut driver and I tightened it up and I cranked it up and man, that thing was just running as smooth as a sewing machine. And uh, he was happy and uh, he went and paid his bill. His bill was like six bucks or something and when he came back by, he walked by where I was standing and, and he reached out with his hand to mine, and when he put his hand around my hand, I felt something, and it was a little piece of paper. I'm not, like the president said, this ain't no lie. It makes you wonder about everything else that's been said when somebody makes a statement, this ain't no lie, this is the truth. It makes you question everything else you've heard. And he walked away, and, and I just very opened it up, and it was a $20 bill. It don't just happen to preachers. That's a long way from being a preacher. There's always a purpose. There's always a plan. And there's always a promise. When you see this matter of worshiping God and giving in the scripture. Well... Here it is in Proverbs. Let's just look at these very quickly and we've been done. Let me encourage you about this tonight. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit. Verse number nine, of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses burst out with new wine. And so here is number one is the purpose. The purpose is honor. You'll see that on the screen in just the purpose 
is honor, to honor him. Honor the Lord. It honors God. He who has everything. We can, we can bless the Lord. We can honor God. We can please the Lord. We can do something for him that's done so much for us. What will we have without him? Number one, the purpose is in verse number nine, that is honor. The plan is the first fruits. People often ask about that. They often ask about it, and I had some other notes somewhere, and I think I left them in my truck. And um, the, um, they'll, what are the first fruits? I tell you, that's, that's the top. We don't tithe after the government gets their part. We don't tithe after we pay our bills. We don't tithe after we meet all of our obligations. The tithe is the first fruit. The first fruit. The plan. The purpose is honor. The plan is the first fruit. And the promise, I like this, is plenty. <laughs> That's what he said. Whew. Mm. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. It's not about everybody else. It's not about the world. It's not about, it's about you. I, I, I had it written down. I had five words that the Bible uses, and maybe you can help me with this. When it comes to this matter of giving, it uses the word plenty. When it, when it comes to the matter of giving, it uses the word uh, bountiful. Uh, it uses the word sufficient. It uses the word need. God will meet your need. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He will meet my need. He will make sure that I have plenty. Whether I understand it, believe it, or even have given consideration to it, God has made a promise. And sometimes He will supply you with just what you need. Sometimes He will supply you with an abundance. He will supply you with plenty. He will make sure that you have sufficient if you honor Him. Worship, the worship of giving. I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, and, uh, but I just want to encourage you about this. God encouraged me so much when I, when I was studying this earlier in the week. There's another passage in the book of Malachi. Oh, yeah, I know about that one. <laughs> yeah, me too. Proverbs, the purpose is honor, the plan is for the first fruits, and the promise is that we'll just have plenty, that we have plenty. Somebody said that uh, we're a whole lot better off with the 90% and God's blessings than we are with the 100% without God's blessings. Malachi said it this way, seven, let's begin reading in seven. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? Verse number eight, will a man rob God? Good question, isn't it? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. Wherein, you have robbed, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. In verse number 9, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, 
even the whole nation, this whole nation, verse number 10, I don't want to go too far, verse number 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And then he goes on and talks about rebuking the devourer. Rebuking the devourer. And so here it is again. There's a purpose, there's a plan, and there's a promise. The purpose is found in verse number 10. All th three things are in verse number 10. Uh, along with just being an honest person um, and not robbing God, the purpose is, number one, is meet in his house. Meet in mine house. The purpose is that there might be sufficient for the house of God. The house of God is not financed by selling pencils, pens, and pies. The house of God is not financed by uh, garage sales and rummage sales and, and uh, investments and all. The, the house of God is operated through the time. Through the time. That they might be meeting his house. I remember I was out visiting a few years ago. And just down the road here, one mile on the right, a little community there. And I pulled in, went and knocked on the door. I was uh, in the church van. I knocked on the door. The lady came to the door, the lady, and her husband was coming. And the first words that came out of her mouth were these words. It was a little 40 con line, 1969, 1970, I believe, at Victory Baptist Church written on the side. And when she came to the door, she looked out and she said, Did y'all raise the money to pay your light bill? I said, huh? She said, that van came by here the other day. That van came by here the other day, and the people that were driving the van were asking for money to pay the church's light bill. Well, I found out a little bit later, it didn't say Victory Baptist Church. It was a white Ford van, and it had blue writing on the side, but it wasn't ours. The plan is that he might that there might be meat in his house. If anybody, if there's any entity in the city, in the county, in the community, in the world that ought to have a good reputation for paying their bills, it should be the church. I remember my dad telling a story, Brother Carlton might remember it. I think they're getting ready to build the, the, uh, where the Sunday school building is now, to add on it, build on it, and... <laughs> And uh, I remember they'd gone down uh, where Jay and Bray Company went over to, and uh, w went in Mr. Peoples' office and uh, talked to a little bit about putting the material on a note. And I believe it was Mr. Peoples, I'm not sure. Might have been Mr. Mac, I forget who it was. But he pulled out a bottom drawer and he had a stack of, of papers that were churches that had put materials on notes and never paid their bill. Never paid their bill. If anybody ought to have a reputation, if any, there should never be a time that there's a need not met in the house of God. Well, and so here's the purpose, meet in his house. The plan is bring ye all the tithes. Bring ye all the tithes. I know there's multiple ways of giving now. I'm still old-fashioned, and I just like to bring it. I like to bring it and, and put it in the offering plate, and uh, whatever you do, I'm not... Uh, 
but the idea is that, that the tithe comes from God's people. Verse number 10 is also the promise that I will open the windows of heaven. Oh, Brother Ron Garris said that, that God's, that we're shoveling with a teaspoon and God's shoveling with a steam shovel. Uh, an eight-yard steam shovel. And here we are, you know, we're, we're putting in with a teaspoon and he's putting in with a steam shovel. And I remember Brother Garris running over to that window over there, and you can't open the windows. And here he's talking about that he that God would open up, and he tried to open the window, couldn't get the window. But, but God said that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands of how many people really believe that and how many people God has done that for. Let's look at one additional passage. You'll find them all this way. To everything... There's a cause and an effect. <clears throat> there's a purpose, there's a plan, and there's a promise. 2 Corinthians chapter number five, uh, 9, verses 5 through 9, and we're running out of time. Therefore, let's not even read verse number 5. Let's go on to verse number 6. But this I say, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse number 6, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him, there it is, give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, I've already made mention of that, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Look at verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always have an all-sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. The promise is found in verse number 8, having sufficiency in all things. The purpose, rather, that we might have sufficiency in all things. The plan is so let him give. So let him give. That's why we, we take up offering every service. It's rare that we don't take up an offering. Sometimes it just happens inadvertently and we... we Forget it or whatever. Usually somebody will remind me. Usually it's the treasurer. They'll be waving from the back of the building. Hey, you got to take up the offering, preacher. And uh, sufficiency in all things. The plan is to let them give. Let God's people give. I was thinking about it when we were in the business meeting tonight, talking about getting ready to do the carpet and all in this, this building. And, and I was thinking about how many times, how many times. I remember... <coughs> And I'm getting into your family time now. By the way, I'm not through with the, the message on uh, savoring the moments. We'll get back to that. But I remember in that old building years ago, we didn't have enough money to pay attention around here. And uh, one Sunday night, Brother Furman Hardy, one of the charter members of the church, he stood up and he had tears just rolling down his face. And his, quint, his chin was quivering. And he was standing there and he had teenage daughters himself and we had about 30 young people in the church at that time, uh, Combs family and all of them. We had just a bukoodles of kids everywhere. Hadn't even, hadn't even thought about starting school or anything. That came a year later. Brother Hardy stood up over here on my left, about three rows back, and he said, Pastor Ward, he said, I'm not trying to be out of, out of place, and I'm not trying to usurp authority or anything along that line, but he said, we keep telling the kids, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't go there, and stay away from that bowling alley, 
Stay away from that skating rink. Can you imagine? <laughs> Got to stay away from that skating rink. I don't know what happened to them skating rinks. But uh, can't go to the skating rink. Can't go to the movie show. You can't go here. He said, Pastor Ward, tears running down his face. His children sitting on the pew with him. I tell you, when you see your children involved, you'll open up your, you'll open up your, your wallets and your pocketbooks and your purses and your checking account. You remember when David had sinned against God by numbering the people of Israel and God was displeased with that and he sent curses upon the land. He gave them three options. And so finally, after the, the people had started dying, David, um, David uh, he had said uh, to take that, he, that uh, three, three days of the, of the sword of the Lord or something along that line. I haven't preached the story in a long time. But anyway, they had three options. And so he went to a man's house. His name was Ornan. They called him Ornan somewhere else in the scripture, Orna. And he told him, and he, he, Ornan knew what was going on because the angel of the Lord was, had the sword of the Lord and uh, he was standing over Ornan's own children. And when he looked and saw his own children in, in that, that, that position of destruction, his own children fixing to lose their life, his own children losing their way, he said, David said, he said, I need a place or an altar, and I need the threshing floor. And Ornan said, forget about it. David, come on. He said, you can have it. He said, you can have the, my threshing floor. He said, you can have my instruments of sacrifice. You can have everything. And he said these words, I give it all. I give it all. And your children are involved. What do you have that's worth keeping? when your children are involved. Brother Bobby Cook might have been there that night. I'm not sure if they'd come into church yet or not. Many of you were. Brother Hardy said, what can we do? And in the next, bur in, in the next sentence, he said, I'll give a thousand dollars. I'll give the first thousand dollars if we can build a recreational building. I'll give the first and $1,000 was big in the early 80s. It's 1983. Big money. $1,000. $1,000. Before we closed the service that night, we had collected $17,000. And that little, just a, a, a bunch of hardworking laborers, no no doctors and lawyers and, and all that, just hardworking people. $17,000. That's what we, the first part of the gym is 100 feet long, 115 feet long, 50 feet wide, the first project was. And we collected $17,000 that night. Some of us went out the next morning. I had to go to the bank and get mine. I didn't have $1,000. I didn't even want to. I couldn't even add to a thousand. I'd go buy, borrow it from the bank. But that night, $17,000 came in, and we built that building. Now, I'm talking about it's uh, 100 feet long, 50 feet wide. 
then it has 15 foot addition on the front. We moved in that building for 34,000. Half of it was raised in the very first service. And the first time we let the kids go in there and skate and have a party, it was completely paid for. Completely paid for. Tell you, when your children are at stake, you ain't got nothing that's worth more than your children. We're in how did I get over there? Sufficiency in all things, so let him give. The promise is found in verse number 8. God is able. God is able. <laughs> I love this book. I love it. The worship of giving. Luke said, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I'm sure there's testimonies all over the building tonight. I remember Brother Anderson testifying one time about God taking, he didn't give his tithe on, I think he didn't give his tithe on Sunday, and God took it out on Monday. He said he was at Western Auto, his washing machine tore up. I forget the story, but Brother Ronnie's a faithful giver, and I'm not picking on him, but I remember him standing up and telling the story, if you don't give it on Sunday, God will take it out on Monday. <laughs> That's what he got out of it anyway. God will take it out on Monday. Don't stumble on this. Have God's richest blessings on your life. Is everything going to be perfect and always good? I'm not, I'm not that. I may wear dumb looking clothes, but I'm really not that dumb. God will honor you if you'll honor him. If you'll honor him. That's all I got to say about it. Let's stand tonight. We'll take